Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40, 40 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks for being here. Today on the show, my guest is Simon McGowan. He is the head of design for Wolfson Brands and Muscle and Health Magazine out of Glasgow, Scotland. This is a fantastic conversation. We dive deep into the creation of Muscle and Health Magazine, where the idea came from, brand elements that carry over from issue to issue, what the purpose of the publication is, and all the details behind its creation. Um, Simon also shares with us that this magazine is about to go like hit the newsstands for the first time. Um, That's not what its original purpose was, but it's gained so much popularity and traction. That is the next step. And they're making some spec changes for that transition. More on that in the episode. This was a great conversation talking about his first ever print design project, which was the classic school yearbook, like a lot of print designers start with. We also talk about, you know, early memories of print and packaging for him and so much more. Simon is a genuine guy. I love chatting with him. The Scottish accent is just to die for. So let's get into this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my fantastic guest, Mr. Simon McGowan. Cue the music. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Simon, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, man? Good day. Thanks for having me. How are you? Doing great. I see you're repping the Draplin hat. Always, yes. Big fan. Big, big fan. And I've got some Braves of Wood prints in the background, another favorite of mine as well. So. I see that. Yeah, you got quite the decorated wall there. you got a solid yeah. bookshelf behind you. Yeah, yep. I like the setup. Yep. I dig it. That's awesome. Thanks. Perfect. So I'm going to start off by just kicking this over to you and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name's Simon McGowan. Uh, I'm a graphic designer based out of Glasgow, Scotland. Um, I mainly work for a company called Wilson Brands, who are in the health and wellbeing space, and they deal with all aspects of design for them, um, from packaging to web design. Uh, and I also work for Muscle and Health magazine and the head of design for Muscle and Health, uh, which is a quarterly publication that launched June last year. Um, that focuses on everything to do with bettering yourself, muscle, health, your bank account, whatever it may be. Uh, magazine that launched during the pandemic, um, off wow. the back of messing around with some ideas on Instagram. And yeah, we're just at this moment in time, I'm designing our first birthday issue. Um, so it's gone really well so far. That's cool. So give me a little bit of like context on how you landed in this position. Cause I know you were doing some freelance work before yeah. and sort of, how did you, you settle on these, you know, this head of design position for Wilson brands and. Wilson yeah. Brands? So, um, I was working freelance at the time and decided I'll try to get in a more interested in being in a permanent in-house position. Um, apply for some jobs. So this one came out and thought, right, I'll take my chances with that. And at the time, this is just for a job as a graphic designer for that company. Um, I liked what they said they were doing. 
like I was interested in the company, so I applied as you actually would sent my portfolio away, um, which working freelancers gave me the ability to keep it current, upgraded, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things that are, us designers are terrible for not doing. Uh, <laughs> That's and... like the classic thing for like designers and marketing agencies, like the website and yeah. the self-promotion and the portfolios, yeah. like just not keeping up on that stuff. No, that's it. Because you spend all the time doing the work, then you go, oh, what if someone has to see something else? Uh, right, okay, I need to pull this together. So I took the time to do that. My, my daughter was born at that time. I said, right, I'm looking for something a bit more, a bit more secure, a bit more 9 to 5 um, mm-hmm. and want to go that route. So I applied for a job at the time, it was just a graphic design position uh, with uh, Wilson Brands. Was successful with that, um, got the job. Deal was deal was signed over a pint in the local pub. And um, basically from there, started building out um, and building what I've seen as how, how their designs and how their design department and things like that were going to run. Um, they liked what they saw and offered me a position as the head of design, um, maybe about four or five months after joining them. Uh, and then a month or so after that, we decided to launch Muscle and Health magazine. And it's just kind of blew up since then. Awesome. So it's quarterly magazine. Quarterly and magazine, yeah. because you were the head of design and really taking on that project from the creative standpoint, yeah, you were like, you were involved in paper stocks and, and, colors and and you know all of those design elements that, yeah. that basically brand a publication so i'm excited to chat about that stuff in a little bit here yeah definitely definitely um, yeah. what kind of work were you doing as freelance compared to the type of work that you're doing now is there was there a lot of crossover Most, uh, um yeah there was some crossover um a lot more digital when i was doing freelance um mm-hmm. but it was supplying digital elements for than the people I was working for to go and yeah. get them printed. Um, I wasn't offering a print service at that at that time, um, so it was more like, here's the here's the file, here's the digital setup ready for you. You can now give this to a printer and it's good to go, kind of thing. Um, and it was everything from logos to flyers, um, some web assets and social assets, and then one of the last ones I've done was actually designing um, the the artwork for the front of a beer fonts. You know, the little circles you get and all the cutouts and things like that you get for that. And that was just yep. set up, print ready for them to do what they wanted with when it was required. Got it. So you're just sort of creating the digital stuff, creating the print files and then sending it off to the customer and they looked at yeah, that basically. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So now you landed the in-house gig. You've got the head of design title. So I'm back when you were a kid or a teenager, do you have, you know, a single memory of print or packaging that really stands out to you? Yeah, definitely do. Um, I remember now we're going back a good wee while here, probably about twenty five years. I'm talking when I was a little 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 boy kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, got, got to my grand's house, and my grand was a little tiny woman, less than five foot tall, and her fridge was always stocked with this one same bottle of, well, I guess you guys would call it soda. Um, and it was one calorie soda. That's what it was advertised as. It was called one cal. And it was in a big one liter clear bottle. And it was a terrible, terrible package. It was like this kind of horrible vinyl-y kind of sticker that was on it. Um, <laughs> it was white with this blue number one, but it was all it was this kind of dot matrix type print that was on it to make it look it's very, very 80s, early 90s yeah. kind of design. Mm-hmm. And it would then bottle was clear and it was this lime green soda 
that was in it. And it's always stuck in my head. And it was in our fridge. Anytime you went to see her, there was this bottle there. And that's the first thought of if someone says packaging to me, it's the first thing still to this day that kind of pops right in my head. <laughs> the one cal soda. One cal soda, yeah. I think it was like 50 pence. So like 20 with like a dollar at the very most for this. Uh, yeah. Far as I remember, it tasted pretty good, but the packaging for it was the cheapest of the cheap. You know, with that being such a strong memory, it'd be kind of fun to do like a redesign of it, you know, where you find a picture or something of the old one. I have searched high and low on the internet to find a picture of this bottle and I cannot find it anywhere. So if any of your listeners or anyone watching it knows what I'm talking about and can find it uh, or has kept it for nostalgic reasons with fairly old bottle now, then I'd, I'd definitely love to see it. Um, the oldest package I've came across recently is when we were demolishing my garage a couple of months ago. Um, we found a can of Pepsi from 1994, um, just right behind it, but it's still perfect condition. It must have been trapped in the perfect spot for no weather damage or anything like that to get to it. So I've yeah. kept that. That's in my collection now. Just to give it a dust off. And that's cool. Go. Was yeah. that a was it a full can or empty can? It was an empty can. Okay, yeah. empty can. Yeah, empty can. Yep. yep. Just survived so, the elements. Basically, yeah. But the colors on it are perfect. So 94 Pepsi. Yep. I <laughs> love that. Um, so fast forwarding to now, recently, have you had any recent interactions with printer packaging that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So I've got a couple here that I can show you just now. Please um, do. A couple were really, 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 really happy with that we uh, made it with some brands. So it's kind of this went over to design. One of them was before I joined the company. The one 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 of the designers designed it um afterwards. And we work with designers all over the world. Uh, and um, one of the guys I've got working for me just now, Max, he was the kind of forefront designer for this. Um, Max doesn't have a tremendous amount of print experience, so he's definitely um, learning learning as we go kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, having a bit more experience than him, uh, I was able to take that on board and take his his vision, his mock-up, and kind of make it a reality um, mm-hmm. with him. So the first one is like a testosterone product, product we've done, and it's called Testo Prime, and this is this is it here. Um, cool. Is that a metallic silver label? It's a metallic stock that it's printed on. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to got to mess around with some metallic stock with some cool overlays on it as well. So designing this up, you've got your kind of metallic stock, then you have your your white undercoat, and then mm-hmm. your your bait, your your CMYK layer over the top of that. Yeah. Um, and we got to mess around with that. And then we took it one stage further for the next one and kind of flipped the lid. Um, this is like a kind of. Um, male enhancement products, shall we say, that we're looking for. Um, and we kind of flipped it on that again using a metallic stock. Oh, cool. But we kind of flipped the way it was done, so it's an all-over print, and then yeah. leaving this blank. But this is still like just a, rather than putting the white down first, we're just going straight with a colour. So you yeah. get that lovely sheen and shine through it as well. And it's just kind of, yeah. you can see it there kind of. It looks so, so good. So it's essentially when you're printing on a silver metallic label stock, anywhere that you print a white over top of that metallic stock, it just kills the metallic. It, it basically right, yeah. makes it like you're printing on a white material. Yeah. But when you don't print that white and then you print color on top of it, it basically metallicizes yeah. whatever color you're printing on top. So you can get some really cool contrast effects in your design that way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we used it on the front pack and then the back of pack uh, for the the European version has got the same kind of same kind of effect on little icons and logos in the background as well. So yeah, you can see that there. So yeah, yeah it turned nice. out really, really nice. Um, the only thing that I would say if anyone's going to work with metallic stock is we've got a we've got a matte varnish over it 
to protect it because if you don't scratch things things yeah. get removed super super easy uh, and we're still learning that as well with the even though when you've got a matte varnish on it it has to be protected and wrapped up for before it goes to the before it goes to the customer but if you've got other things in the box with it they do yeah. tend to affect the finish yeah, scuff, you know, matte, the matte coating and matte laminates are the most susceptible to like scuffing and scratching and yeah. things like that. But yeah. when you're using, if you use a gloss as an alternative, the thing's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You could do it, you could do anything to it. It is, yeah. It, I just, I just don't think it looks as sleek or because the, these, these products, especially when you're looking at something like a, a male performance enhancer, it has to be quite subtle. You want it quite discreet and things like that. If you've got a high gloss finish on it, it's just, it doesn't have the same, the same yeah. tone. <laughs> it's almost like this, um, like you're designing for contrary things, things that you want to be sort of like kept a little bit subtle and kept a little bit quiet. You know, imagine the yeah. loudest design possible for something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the giant, this giant bottle that you have to walk to check out with. Usually yeah. on it, trying yeah. to keep it subtle, but it's the world's biggest <laughs> bottle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that was a couple we we've done recently. Um, Working on some more cool stuff um, in the background, but not sure how we're going to finish that for print yet. I've got um, some stuff coming through that we're going to be working on, and it's going to be on the, um, like this kind of like tubing material. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is going to be my first time printing or working with printers to print onto a cylindrical finish that's not a label, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm um, working on some stuff with that, and it's going to be like a two-piece two-piece thing, so it'll be a two-piece design, two-piece print job. Uh, the top will be printed, and obviously it'll be printed on the exterior as well. So looking forward to, to trying that one out. We're going to be using it's going completely different, and it's all going to be recyclable, organic craft mm-hmm. finish with just like a single colour print over the top. Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting this, this feeling from you that you know, you're excited about creating these tangible designs that go out in the world that people can interact with and people can hold in their hand and have between this podcast and the quickie podcast that I also do, I've interviewed mm-hmm. over 300 designers easily. Yeah. And I'd say 90% of them have some kind of print collection of cool packaging they've seen or cool mm-hmm. books they've come across or things yeah. like that. Why, why, what makes print so special to designers? Why do you think we want to hang on to stuff like that? I just think that if you, you can design a digital product and then it's, once it leaves your desk, it's kind of gone out in ether. And to show someone that, you can show someone, the same as like if you take a picture of when you go somewhere, say you would go to, I don't know, the Grand Canyon. You can go and look that up in Google Maps, but being there itself is just this totally other different experience. And I think it's the same with when you're printing something as well. You've got, you're, you're taking a product and you've got it on screen and in your head, you know exactly what that product looks like. But then when you get it printed out and you've got this physical thing in front of you when you're feeling it and you can touch it and you can say, wow, this, this is out, came out really nice. But then you can go the other way as well and say, oh, now that I see this in front of me and I can feel what it feels like and see what it looks like, there's bits of this I would change. And bringing it into the real world just gives it that. One, you've, you've got this thing that you've created in front of you that's your your child, so to speak. Uh, but on the other hand, it also gives you an idea of what you've done right and what you could do better to better the next thing. You know, I think that's really important. 
Yeah, I like that perspective where you, you can create it with an idea in mind, but really until you're holding it in your hand, you really won't know if it's been executed properly. And yeah, then once yeah. you do actually hold it and interact with it, you go, oh, okay, yeah, I could, I could change this or I'd, I'd like to do this, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's that whole tangible moment of when you yeah. see it and when you open the box for the first time and sometimes you're like, wow, this has turned out great or other times you're like, wow, the printer really dropped the ball on this. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's the, it, the thing with print is it creates this instant um, brand connection. Mm-hmm. And that can be a good brand connection or that could be a bad brand connection. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have somebody walking through a store, whether they're looking at books, whether they're looking at products or whatever it is, they see the packaging, oh, that looks interesting, and then they touch it. So how mm-hmm. are you going to interact with them on both of those levels? Yeah. Whereas if you're designing something for Instagram – you know, it may have, it may reach millions of people, mm-hmm. but it reaches millions of people in milliseconds. Like it's a, yeah. a quick fly through Instagram yeah. and, you yeah. know, the speed that people cycle through that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so just it's staying power. Um, exactly. Yeah. And if also, if you've got something, if you're lucky enough to have something on the shelf that people are going to see all the time when they're in a store and literally in a different light, like something like with, like I showed you with that metallic, that might just catch someone's eye, and that's a, another aspect of like getting them to buy or pick up your product as well, the way they see it and how they interact with them. Definitely. Um, I'm going to jump a question here because what you what you just said, um, you know, about you know, being able to hold projects in your hand and realizing, oh, I could have done this differently, I could have done that differently, mm-hmm. really ties into this next question here. Um, mm-hmm. Have you been a part of a print project that didn't turn out as you'd hoped, where it it didn't go well, it went sideways, or for whatever reason? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it happens. Um, a lot of it comes down to planning. A lot of it comes down to trust in the printers as well, I think, and trust mm-hmm. in what they're telling you because you can't know everything about every paper stock or every piece of material you're going to print on. So, true. so if you've got something that you're you're you've created this project, you're relying on them to give you what the best practice is for doing that. And I remember a number of years ago I was involved in a project and it was a, a big catalogue for a mail order company. Mm-hmm. And we had the we actually had the print salesman in the office telling us, yeah, if you're doing that, this is the material you want to use. And they were wrong, completely wrong. We got the we got the the, the catalog in, and we're talking we printed thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of these, tens of thousands of these catalogs to go out to a cut to uh, this company's customers. It was terrible. It was blurry. The ink had just soaked straight through the paper. The paper you could spit through if you done it at the right angle. It was just it was just a, this terrible finish, and it was really disappointing because you'd spent hundreds of hours creating this this catalogue, this huge mm-hmm. catalogue of, of goods, and then to see it and go, oh, wow. Because yeah. one, it doesn't reflect the company well. Two, it doesn't reflect the products well, which in turn affects sales. And three, it's not reflecting your work because people are trusting you to design, but they're also trusting you with the, the end piece, so to speak. Yeah. Um, this was down to the printers, I'll say. Uh, what we provided them with was what they rec- any printer requires to print, but wrong decisions were made, and co- you get the complaints and you get the, the disappointment after that, but you learn from it, and then the next one you do, 
you say, no, we're not going to use that paper stock. No, we're not going to use <laughs> use that printer. We're going to try it a different way, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the balance in why I think it's so important to build a relationship with a printer yeah, and, and establish a relationship with a printer. Anytime you're using somebody new for the first time, you're kind of rolling the dice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely. having that relationship is super important. Yeah, definitely. The printers we work with just now, like you're on a first name, I'm on a first name basis, two of the main ones, first yeah. name basis with the owners of the print company, you know, and it has to be like that. If you phone them and you're, they, are, they are willing to talk to you and walk you through stuff and things like that. Um, like the other day, one of the printers we deal with, um, going to be working with like a die cut label soon rather than just a um, just like a standard square round corner label. Uh, I was saying, right, how detailed can I go with this die cut? And it was getting the information off them where the guy whose business it was took a good half hour of his day to talk me through all the points, what you're going to need, what you're going to do, sending it over, getting samples made up, things like that. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, so valuable to have. Same with other printers we work with, where you can just send them a file and it may be a rough file you've sent them over. No, by no means finished. Say, look, I want to know roughly what this is going to look like. Can you print me a sample out of that? And they'll go out their way to take your file, which is not print ready. It's just a rough and they'll make it print ready for you, get the samples done and get them over to you no questions asked and that's the kind of printer you want to work with because they want your business at the end of the day and if they do a good job you know you're they're going to you're going to use them and you they are going to be a long-time partnership a long-time customer yeah and and when i get the question between you know what's the difference between using like a vista printer or somebody online versus a Mm -hmm. local printer you just nailed that difference it's the people who are, are with Vistaprint, you know, sort of come from the online marketing world, you know, how do we make this efficient and profitable and deliver yeah. just prints all over? Like it's, it's a system. Whereas working with a local printer, you're establishing a relationship. And in most cases, that local printer not only wants your business, but mm-hmm. appreciates the craft that they do. Yeah. They, they like the work. They like creating really unique, really cool print. Absolutely. And especially seeing it go out in the local community. Absolutely. And do you know that the best part with working with some of our printers are, are they'll tell you, no, we can't do that, but yeah. here's someone who can. And they're not willing to just go, oh, we'll just do it for them anyway. And hopefully it's okay. It's just, yeah. it's just saying, no, someone else can do a better job than us. And I think that's really important as well. This that honesty and transparency um, with, with the like, customer-client relationship. Really. 100%. Super important. Um, so rewinding just a little bit here, what was your first ever print project, Simon? The very first project that you were ever a part of, that you ever produced? My high school yearbook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was one of these ones where it wasn't a true, true, true first print project, but certainly a lot of involvement in it, like designing mm-hmm. up the covers and things like that. Not obviously you're only what sixteen, seventeen at that point, so you're not dealing with the printers telling them I want this XYZ stock and well this 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 weight of cover and things like that on it. But it was involvement there. They still had the files being sent over and getting them print ready and things like that with the help of the lectures and things like that in the art department. But it's a mm-hmm. it was a perfect intro to what you needed, you know? Um it turned out pretty nice. I think it's this just that it was just this uh, first front color uh, front and back color cover and everything else is monochrome inside. So yeah, pretty pretty straightforward but um yeah still still could say yeah the first one i done was in when i was in high school so it's like a 
a decent amount of experience behind me now. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. You've been in the print game a little while yeah, now since yeah, that yearbook. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, so Simon, now I wanted to do a deep dive into the print project that we're going to talk about in this episode, and that is the <clears throat> pardon me, the Muscle and Health magazine. Correct. Um, yeah. I want to hear stocks like, and because this is so fresh, like for you guys, like you're coming up to the one year anniversary. Yeah. Like. I'm excited to get into this and hear like the fresh details on the decisions that were made early on in mm. stock, colors, materials, you know, brand elements of what this magazine's going to look like. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So this all started out. Um, let's, let's pull this up here. Is this so the first? Is this the first issue? The that's Terry- the first issue. Yeah, that's first. The okay, perfect spot to start then. Yep. Yeah, so it all started off. We were doing with pandemic was happening. Uh, we were sitting around about. June, May, June um, of 2020, mm-hmm. and we were running one of our brands as a, a bodybuilding brand, uh, and we were running like a weekly 10 slide carousel mini magazine for it. Yeah, uh, and it was getting it was articles all about bodybuilding and things like that, and it was it was going well. But we're putting a lot of work into this, like hours and hours of work into this little 10 page carousel. Mm-hmm four or five times a month um and the discussion started up we said could we do this as a publication do we have it there uh, and our editor at the time had previously worked for other um health and fitness magazines and was pretty confident that we could we could pull out the bag so we had a discussion and uh, it was run by me as if could is it something I'd be comfortable doing? I was saying, yep, yeah, definitely something I've always wanted to do would be involved in a, a full run print publication, um, monthly slash quarterly. Let's give it a go. Let's see what we can do with it. So we started drawing up some some cover ideas, some design elements, starting off with the usual thing, logo, looking feel of the magazine, looking feel of the cover, and getting that kind of overall branded of what we want, which mm-hmm. has evolved since. Um but the main roots of it remain the same. We are independently created. We're created um, from, like, so I'm in Glasgow. We've got um, editors down in England, in Spain. Uh, we've got people in Dubai. We've got people in Islamabad and Pakistan. You know, so there's a, we've got this, like, team of six of us, um, who are the core team, working from all over the world, completely remotely, completely independently from any big publishers, and producing every quarter a 116-page fitness publication. Wow, that's a huge undertaking. Yes, yes, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's by no means an easy feat. It's yeah. a lot of early mornings and a, a lot of late nights um, yeah. when you're running up to deadline, um, but it's so worth it. We've been able to be fortunate enough to work with one of the, not one of, the best um, fitness and muscle photographer in the world. Um, we've had massive cover stars from coming straight out of the gate uh, and our readership and the articles we put in are it's not just for bodybuilders it's not just for fitness fanatics like I said at the beginning it's muscle and health is about bettering yourself mm-hmm. so we cover muscle we cover health we cover wealth we cover some little, little quirky items and things like that in there some it's for just a bit of fun um, and it's basically just letting people as I say better themselves you know, um, yeah. if you want a better version of you, then maybe if you read our magazine, you'll find some information you might like, uh, and that could lead to your whole life 
changing the way yeah, your outlook on life changing and things, you know? I love that. So that's that's the premise of the magazine. That's the goal of the publication. Yeah. And you're saying that this all sort of stemmed from just putting these carousels together for Instagram, just 100%. really building on that loyalty and that content with your Instagram followers. And somebody went, hey, what if we turned this into a magazine? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. That was, that was the basis of the conversation. Yeah. Which is pretty so, wild when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's why I wanted to really emphasize that. So, <laughs> so then talk me through some of the brand elements of this before we get into paper and things like that. So what are some of the core colors, the core design elements that you guys have consistently? Yeah, so mostly we work internally. A lot of it's black text, mm-hmm. um, heavy fonts. Um, what we do is we try and keep a core font, a font uh, and as you can see up front, the font is Bebus, and we like to play on elements of that as well. That particular cover you're looking at there was a font called Titan and Gothic, just because of all the, the weights and things like that, and we always wanted to emphasize Wim Hof, if any of your read, uh, listeners are familiar with him, he's mm-hmm. kind of focused on breathing techniques and things like that to cleanse your body. So like playing with that, playing with the idea of the font getting bigger and smaller, um, yeah. just to get that idea of breathing and the cra- crazy mixed up text is like the world around you and centered is Wim Hof in the middle so yeah that was a kind of kind of ideas behind that so we like to play with like these kind of more quirkier out there ideas we don't want to be a traditional um, fitness magazine where it's just like red flashes in the front saying build your abs or you know yeah, exactly. a, a big bigger biceps and yeah exactly days. yeah we want we it's not all about that and we want to show that with our, our readers so we kind of think of more creative ways in which we in which we can do that and mm-hmm. through our articles and things you know that's beautiful so this what i'm seeing consistently here as well is this um what looks like full magenta is it just 100 percent magenta this this yeah, sort of yeah. script, scripted almost like paintbrushed kind of font yeah exactly yeah so that was that was one of the earlier ideas we had it was kind of this kind of like paintbrushy scripted writing on the walls kind of idea that Terry Crews in this particular article told you how you can change your life in 21 days, mm-hmm. you know, and goes through like that. So wanted something, like I said, we wanted to move away from the the red flashes and the yellow text you see in a lot of front of bodybuilding magazines and stand, and just something that's going to really, really, really stand out. Yeah. Um, when this first came out, this magazine we and the first four issues have not been on newsstands. We are using working with like um, various health and well-being supplements and companies and it's getting distributed via those products to their customers because that's more of the the correct market but as of our first birthday issue we'll we've decided to go the newsstand route and we will be on the shelves from this next issue that comes out that's a big step for you guys so how do you as the head of design how do you approach that sort of change you know because this is going from having like a really nice looking publication you know being a little bit different than the norm mm-hmm. but now but also sorry having distribution established yeah now you're going to be you know the cover is going to do some selling here yes that's so right. how, do, how do you approach that so right now we are printing the magazine um on uh, i think it's 170 gsm gloss stock so okay. I can kind of kind of see it there, um, and I think I can't remember off the top of my head. I think the internal pages are ninety GSM. I'm not one hundred percent on that. Uh-huh. That will remain the same as it's being distributed, just for weight and durability and things like that. With these products, is that it's going to stay the same? 
when it goes on to newsstands, we are changing the cover up completely and it's going to look nothing like any other fitness magazine out there because we've decided to go for a heavyweight uncoated stock. Awesome. As well. I was so, going to ask that because in these photos, it almost looks like an uncoated stock. Yeah, that was the initial, this is what we're going to go for. Um, yeah. But when we had this conversation and thought about it, we thought, right, it has to be gloss just because it's getting transported a lot. It's going to be moving around yeah. um, things like that. But now we're going for something more like your, I don't know if you can see that there, that kind of nice, yeah. like no shine stock on it. And I think that'll, it's a premium magazine. And I think when you go for a heavier stock like that, it's going to be noticed on the shelf because it's unlike any other fitness publication out there. And it's going to have that heavier weight, nice cover on it and just yeah. scream that extra bit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's definitely one big way for magazines to stand out and what you notice between um, sort of just regular old shelf magazines mm-hmm. and like the premium magazines that are selling for that premium price point. Yeah. It's not only photography and the feel different, but the stock, the paper stock, it, you yeah. interact with them differently. Yeah, totally, totally. So was that your sort of your approach to making that switch? Like we need to make this feel like a more premium magazine if we're going to be, you know, up on that newsstand competing that we got to switch Absolutely. that up? I thought it was more, we like moving away, I know I keep saying this, we're, we're not a traditional fitness magazine by any way, shape or form. There's, mm-hmm. there's so much more to it. As you can see, we've got Chris Doe in the, in, in, in the pages in there, which is, you wouldn't picture Chris Doe being in a, in, in a fitness magazine, you know, it's not, it's not his scene, but he's talking about selling and selling yourself on Instagram and selling yourself and selling your businesses. So that takes you back to yeah. the better in your, better in your bank account and better in your, the, the wealth side of things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the approach was to be completely different from anyone else. We want to be that kind of disruptor in there you know and just take that shift away from being that high gloss high finish magazine to being something that just a little bit nicer to hold a little more tangible a little more approachable almost definitely okay that's cool some awesome information about like the publication and and your approach to it here i want to just sort of switch the conversation a little bit to chat about the sort of the nuts and bolts of putting a publication together because obviously Mm -hmm. you have your design and your layout side um what software are you using to do the design and the layout of this uh everything is designed with indesign yeah adobe indesign yeah adobe indesign um obviously photoshop if we need to do so many image manipulation things like that and for sure illustrator at times as well um that's all for the print side but then with everything today you've got your digital side of things Mm -hmm. and what we like to do as well is when we release an issue we like to uh do something a little bit different again and we do like teaser videos for it so we've got a team um that can help us with after effects and things like that Uh, something i'm not super familiar with but learning and we kind of do like an intro video for each issue so like for the wim hof one we had like this 3d forest and the camera was going all through it and things like that and then it kind of this ice all smashed together and then appeared the the magazine out of the ice kind of thing (laughs) that's cool so again something completely different yeah, definitely different. I like the idea of incorporating the video with that and, and video is becoming bigger and bigger with all yeah. these platforms, you know, Instagram and stuff moving toward video and, yeah, and things. Totally. But the now the, talk to me a little bit about the quoting process for this, because in the beginning, you're sort of like you have this idea of a magazine, mm-hmm. you, but in order to actually get some pricing and make sure that 
you know, mm-hmm. your budgets are approved and things like that. You got to get some pricing together. Like how do you determine the specs leading into that kind of process? So thankfully our editor, Danny, um, has a really good working and personal relationship with the printers that we're currently using through our awesome. previous projects. Mm-hmm. So they've even, as I said, she's based in Spain and um, with previous projects, they've actually been out and meeting with her over there going over to see her and things like that and having the conversations in, in person with that. So on the back of that relationship, we didn't have too much to worry about, thankfully, because awesome. we had that contact there. Um, but yeah, definitely one of the main worries was what we're going to do with printing. And when Danny, pops, Danny said, yeah, I've got this printer that I work with, fantastic bunch of guys, mm-hmm. let's let's approach them. And it's been amazing since day one. They're top-notch. So when you're, you know, in this, you know, technological day and age, when you're approaching a, a publication, was the question ever raised internally of, well, why don't we just do an e-magazine or an, an e-book instead of print? Like, like, why was the decision made to print? The decision was made to print um, based on what we thought was appropriate for our customers, because our customers are receiving a physical product mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So giving them this additional product, it just builds on that brand loyalty as well. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll offer when you buy this magazine or subscribe to this magazine, you um, are given access to the full digital pack catalog, which a lot of people don't do either. You can either go on and buy one issue or with ours, if you subscribe to our magazine for the year, you get the full digital back catalog as well, um, which, it's great, but we think just because it is a is a more of a, a physical thing, people are buying, and because fitness magazines are have been about for so long uh, and missed by a lot of people for ones that have gone under and things like that, we thought, yeah, mm-hmm. we have to do this as a as a physical thing. That's awesome, and I love that. And and I honestly, truly believe right now, with everything going so heavy digital, mm-hmm. this is one of the huge ways to stand out. It used to be the norm. But now yeah. so few people are actually going this route and doing this route. Yeah. If you have a company that you want to establish some extreme brand loyalty to and amazing brand perceptions, mm-hmm. creating this publication that is could basically be a coffee table book and sitting there because it's yeah. so clean, mm-hmm. so well designed, like that just establishes some incredible brand credibility. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um and that's what that's what the hope behind it was to basically show that yes we're brand new but we know exactly what we're doing we know exactly what you guys are wanting to read and we are yeah. someone you can trust and come to for any fitness health wealth advice kind of thing that you can yeah. pick up inside this magazine it's all fully legitimately thought out and considered before we put anything into print it's not just a hash and dash job on it it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a piece of design the contents there, but the, the whole approach was it is that I wanted this to be something that's fully designed out, not yeah. just put on the page because we've got that information there. Yeah. So specifically with this fir- with the first issue that you guys did, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about the proofing and the press checks. Like because it's such a big deal that first issue. Yeah. Were you guys on site for press checks? Did you go to attend those? No, because of COVID, that wasn't possible, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we were in full lockdown at that time. Fortunately, our printers, press checks, are they do a press check that's all um, digital anyway. Yep. The software checks everything for you, and if anything comes up at that time and still just now, 
we've got a account manager for us and we just give them a phone they've got all that sorted out if they need something back from us or they've got any concerns or worries um because sometimes when you're, you're dealing with that many articles and things like that and people who aren't familiar with print will send some images through that might look great on screen but when you go to print them not so hot yeah. um and that's things you've got to take into consideration as well but yeah the whole print process was in the like the, the checks and press checks and things like that was just uh, all done digitally proofing um we use software called basecamp and we've got yeah. uh, everything's all proofed for, it, goes, it gets set, written sent to me designed proofed fixed, uh, edited sent back for proof again then approved for dummy once it's approved for dummy and the, the final book gets put together, it goes through a full 116 page check with editor and sub editor before it goes to print. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you definitely got your checks and balances in there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, do you guys have any sort of ROI on this or have you seen like, what are the positive benefits, if not financial, like what are the positive benefits that you've seen about putting the expense and the time and effort into creating a publication and putting it out there to your customers? What do you see yeah. from that? Yeah, so basically, it's it's something that we're we're wanting to do because, like you said, it gives that brand loyalty, uh, and we've got these distribution partners that we're working with, and it's given them something to give to their customers, and it it makes their customers loyal to them. Think, oh, I'm getting this for for free, um, so to speak, within that within that um, items that they've purchased. This is really nice. This is a lovely print article. This is a lovely piece of work that they've put out. And hopefully that in turn then bounces back to us for them to do a, a full subscription and we've got a, a customer for life, if you like. Yeah. So so yeah, looking at it that way. Um and then you've got the digital side of things as well, where mm -hmm. you can work with bigger partners who want to give the magazine out to all their employees, for example, but don't want to buy two thousand, three thousand fiscal copies. They can yeah. come to you and you've got this digital side of things and you can give them access to that digital digital magazine as well. Mm -hmm. And the um, how many of these have you been printing per issue? Like what's the distribution currently? Um, it's going up and up every issue. We started out, let me get this right, because we're splitting it because we're, we're, it's, a, it's a UK magazine, but we've got a lot of big customer base in America and we've yep. got a customer base in UK and Europe. So I think the first run was 20,000 copies. Yeah. And I think this current run, the one that's going to go on your newsstands, I believe it's up to 40,000. Wow. Good for you guys. That's awesome. But we are also going to be working with uh um event with um it's called the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. Mm -hmm. Um it's like a big bodybuilding event and I think we're printing another twenty thousand for that as well. So I think this run will be sixty thousand. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good going. So the well, sort of when you've been putting these together, you're, you're seeing it on screen, you're going back and forth, you're doing all of the proofing and all of that for it. When mm -hmm. you finally get to hold a finished copy in your hand, mm -hmm. is that super exciting? Is that terrifying? Like what, yeah, what, just, what are you feeling? I think like every, every designer, when they send something to print, hitting that button, it's just this moment of dread and you lie awake for the whole night thinking about it. Goes, oh, what have I done wrong? I must have done something wrong. There has to yeah. be something wrong I've done. Yeah. So, and then you get it through and the first thing you do is 
like I usually get about five or six copies sent to me, something like that. And I'm just holding this box and I'm just I basically it's like tearing off a band-aid and just like rip it open, have a look, a quick flick through it, right? Everything's where it should be, it's in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. And I put it to the side and I'll look at it again later yeah. when I've calmed down. I usually <laughs> I usually give it to my dad and my dad will read it through. So yeah. oh, that's that's how I yeah. can do it. Um, he, he's a he's a big fitness fan, so um, he has a good read through of it. Um, and then all, all everyone in the office and or in the company gets a gets their copy of it and things like that. So yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite an intense moment when you do know there's a warehouse with uh, forty thousand copies of it sitting there, and you realise that if you made a mistake, fortunately, there's been nothing nothing drastic, nothing unfixable. So yeah. it's all been it's all been good so far. So with you saying that, you know, it's almost impossible to have something deliver with zero mistakes, but at least mm-hmm. no big mistakes. Yeah. What are some of the few mistakes that you've come across? Oh, there might have been a name that's maybe spelt slightly incorrectly or an image credit that you've put down and then at the last minute you've moved the image over it and then the credit's not there that you then have to go and fix it for the digital edition and then put a put a comment in your next one saying, oh, apologies, this was meant to be credited to such and such, you know, mm-hmm. not, not, nothing major. There's not been any any printing faults or anything like that, touch wood yet. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty covered on that point. I mean, it does go through so many proof and checks and things that, you know, it's um, it's, it's all in. It's There's enough hands or eyes that, you know, the the important obvious things are, are caught. And yeah, exactly. It's not, it's nothing you can't apologize for. Nothing that's that's gonna that's gonna destroy the publication or anything like that. So yeah. it's, it's it's things. It's, it's human error. You know. Yeah, totally. So how long does it take to create one of these publications? From when you guys decide, okay, the next issue is going to be about X. You know, we, that's sort of the theme of the next issue. Like, how long does it take to go from idea to finished copy in your hands? Um, it varies. Um, the first issue and the second issue came together fairly easily. Um, yeah. But then when the third issue was hitting, it was bang in the middle of COVID being particularly bad. Yeah. So a lot of things had to get pushed back or we moved things to a different issue um things like that so we tend to set set aside around about six to eight weeks on it but it's not been done full full time because i'm working on that along with stuff for wilson brands as well um we've got our editing team who are doing articles and things like that full time but the Mm -hmm. design side of things i'll maybe take out a few days a week when i'm designing it up um then when it comes to crunch time obviously it is full time at that point i would say Full time wise, you're probably looking at like four weeks if you were to condense it down to full time work. Mm-hmm. And four weeks of design work, and that's once you've been given all of the assets and you've been given all the uh, the editorial stuff. Like you're just hashing out design. Yeah, basically, yeah. We tend to do it as once an article's ready, we'll get it done like as soon as, so it's still fresh in everyone's heads, kind of yeah. thing. So once a writer's finished writing it, it gets passed on to me to design it, um, and then it gets passed back to them to edit. Once it's still fresh and we're still talking about it and things like that, and we want it to. Mm-hmm. We, want, we know what we're doing with it, so we tend to work fairly quickly and fairly closely in that point of view um, with the bigger articles and when you're working with the talent, as we call them. Um, the talent. <laughs> for your front page and your, your main article kind of thing, they, they, they are, they are um, obviously take a bit longer to put together because they're, they're bigger. Um, mm-hmm. You're working with a lot more people at that point. Um, in comparison, to if you're just writing something about 
a specific product, for example, um, with when it's dealing with bigger articles, obviously you've got to do the interviews, you've got to get the photography done, you've got to transcribe it and then get it written up and then you'll get the photographs. So what happens with ours, we'll get a selection of photographs, uh, photography to choose from, yeah. pick those all out, make sure they're going to look nice in print, uh, then they go back for editing um, to the photographer and then they send them back again. So while he's doing that, you're kind of using the selects to roughly rough out the magazine and things and then you go back to finish it off. So you mm-hmm. could be spending maybe like over the course of a week going back to the one article whenever you're getting more of the information in. Yeah, just sort of as you're building it and as it's coming yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. I just love editorial design, like just the the creative nature of it, and how you know you can. There are rules of editorial design, but you can bend them and break them all you want, yeah, and it's absolutely. really just about creating a unique experience for the reader. And that's um, so yeah. why you know it can be so unique. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like like that page you're looking at there is a fairly short article, mm-hmm. and you can. What, what I'm um, working with just now and what I'm um, making decisions on is like you can have like these, these three column grids and uh-huh. you, you grid it out that way. But then in other points, you maybe do something like the crystal one there where it is yeah. just a big heavy duty two column. Uh, sorry, so that's a three column as well, but you've got that little pocket cut out of it. But sometimes you will work with like a two column or the article might go from a two column to a single column to a three column throughout just varying on images so yep. you've, got, you've got to keep on at that but it's what you need to be wary of is it has to be easily readable like yes if you've got images at the top and then text next to it you need to make it clear that you don't read this text first your text you might want to read maybe at the bottom of the page and then you want to go back up to the top yep. and you need to be careful that that is an actual flow it flows properly on the page for them to be able to read it yeah yeah, I can imagine, you know, doing this Christo page, you know, looking at that when you're thinking about legibility, you know, mm-hmm. concerns of like, is this font too small, too big? Yeah. Like, like when you're doing a reverse out like that of a, of a solid color, yeah. you know, that's always a concern. Yeah, definitely. Um, that one, there was a lot of consideration in that. I did have it initially black text just on a, on a white page and then just the main like poster style image on, on it then. I had a bit of a play around with it and sometimes you just got to take that risk to see how it turns out in print yeah. and yeah it, I think I've got the right issue here roll the creative dice on a Chris Doe article I like it yeah 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 um, but it turned out pretty legible so oh yeah so yeah yeah it looks great yeah so yeah um, yeah like I said sometimes you've got to take a risk uh, and we'll, 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 there's no egos in our team. Like I'm more than happy to, if I've designed something up, say to one of our editors or sub editors, like, what do you think of this design? Do you, I've made the decision to make do this orange background, but have a slightly off-white text. Do you yeah. think that's readable? It looks okay on screen. What do you think? Can they make come back and say, no, maybe switch it out for something like that? Or Mm-hmm. could you try that or we've done something like that in the past and it's not been so hot um yeah. kind of thing so it's it's, it's teamwork makes a dream work as they say you know yeah totally 
Yeah, what a great project and a great piece put together. And it's a brilliant example of, you know, a company really wanting to establish a brand and establish their name and reputation in a space and using print to do it. Like, just amazing. Love it. Okay, we'll move on from the from the project talk, but it was pretty awesome. So I've got a couple other questions before we wrap this up here. Um, yeah, cool. What advice would you give a designer who is looking at, you know, editorial design and looking at these magazines or looking at print in general and wanting to get started, but just not knowing what to do first or where to go to get started? What advice would you give that person? Yeah, so uh, a couple of months ago, um, it will be a couple of months ago now, I've done a, a lecture on this for the Marbella Design Academy. Cool. Um, and the conversation led to the point of, how do you move forward and how do you learn more about the craft that you're that you're creating mm-hmm. um i think research definitely is as cliche as that might sound do your research in terms of other designers out there what they're doing what are other publications doing what do you think you can do differently what's been done in the past and what trends are looking at kind of in the future what's coming up Mm-hmm. Are you interested in any of these? If you are, take that niche down, research that a little bit further, uh, and basically decide what you want to want to learn about and how you can then use your learnings to better a product or create a product that you're happy with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy a lot of books. I might not read that book straight away, but I know, oh, this might come in handy for a future project. So yep. I'm going to pick it up. If you've got the cash to do so, or you've got the means to do so, pick up a book whenever you can. Um, and that's research books and learn your craft well. Learn the ins and outs of programs and things like that. Um, I use InDesign every single day for like a, a ton of different stuff, probably stuff that's not even meant for. You know, I think it's really handy for social posts and anything to do with typography. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get to type on it, I go straight into InDesign. Um, but I've still got a little cheap book behind me that goes, I wonder how you do that in the design. And I'll just pick up that book and flick yeah. through it. Yep, that's how you do it. Cool. Is that the one by, um, who's the author of that one? Uh, Dave Clayton. Yeah, Dave. I was, yeah, I couldn't remember his last name. Dave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah he's a really nice guy. Um, I connected with Dave just at the start of the pandemic. He put up a page um, called Clayton's Design Library on Instagram. It's all his design books. Okay. And he had one that I basically fell in love with. And I was like, oh, I love this book. Um, one thing leads to another. Um, it's Dan Stiles' book. Awesome. Uh, a, a poster book. And I, I fell in love with this book they put, in, uh, put up, and it's like loads of different posters. Oh, that's cool. But couldn't get it out of stock completely. Uh, and I said to Dave, like, where did you get that from? Did you get any ideas of where it's from? He said he actually got it from Dan Stiles at a convention once. Uh, and a few hours later, I got a message back saying, actually, I've just remembered I've got two of them that I was going to use. One was going to be used for a giveaway, and I never got around to doing it. Do you want it? And I was like, uh, hell yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so I think I played him a normal amount for it. He just said, just give me X for it. And I said, oh, this is great. It was actually my birthday that he messaged me on. I said, that is perfect. This is perfect birthday present. Send it my way. And he stuck in like a bunch of field notes and stickers and stuff like that with it as well. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Dave's a great guy. Yeah, he is. I interviewed him on the Quickie podcast probably about right, a year, cool. year and a bit ago now. Yeah. And um, just a really fun conversation, a really genuine guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. So yeah, I'll always pick up books, hundred percent. 
So just consume, see what else is out there. Just be inspired and excited yeah. about the visual things you're seeing and, and the way that people are presenting this information to you. Yeah, and it doesn't need to come from design. It doesn't need to come from print. It can come from anywhere. You know, whatever you're interested in. If you're interested in the subject, learn as much about it as you can. Take that information and use it in more exciting ways than, than you had before. Yeah. You know, I, I, got, to, I got to design a cover uh, for Muscle and Health that had um, Dolph Lundgren on it. And as soon as I found out we are getting He-Man on the cover, I went straight straight into Illustrator and designed up the the text or a, a copycat text of the, the old He-Man logo. And <laughs> like, like everyone, everyone was thinking, what, what, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, He-Man was a massive part of my life. Got little figures up there for it as well. Yeah. Um, and why not, if you love someone so much and you're getting to work with He-Man himself, then, you know, why not just go the extra mile? It might not mean a lot to some people. It might just look like a nice bit of typography on the front, but to you and maybe to someone else, maybe, yeah. like, oh, that's really cool. That's from He-Man. And they may just get an extra little bit of joy out of it, you know? Do you ever get to meet or chat with the talent? Um, yeah, so I've had the chance to chat and do a few interviews um, with uh, with some folks. Um, I got to interview Christo. Uh, I got to interview um, Liam Cormier from a band called Cancer Bats. He's going to be in there our next issue. Um, meeting them in person, UK is basically a yeah. can't fly out or can't fly into the UK. So it's a, it's, <laughs> yep. a, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit difficult just now, but the possibilities are there. Um, it's things are starting to That's open cool. up and make it a chance to fly to the States and meet and keep some folks. Awesome. Yeah, you got to put a put um, Aaron Draplin's name in the mix there and get out and interview him. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Simon, let's wrap this up with where can people find you, find more about Muscle and Health? Where can people find this stuff? So, yeah, our website is uh, muscleandhealth.com. Um, we try and keep that up to date as often as possible to let you know when, when the next issue is coming out. Um, we post things on there daily um, in a blog kind of style. Um, so you can check that out, muscleandhealth.com. My personal Instagram is Simon underscore McG, uh, MCG, and I post as much as I can on there um, so you can check out some of my work. I, I post personal work, post things from Muscle and Health, uh, and basically anything I find interesting to do with design. Cool. Uh, and our Instagram for Muscle and Health, if anyone's interested, is uh, at Muscle and Health World. Muscle and Health World. Awesome. Simon Ren, thank you so much for being my guest today and for chatting about the creation of this magazine, the purpose behind it and goals behind it. Um, no it, was, it was awesome. Loved hearing yeah, about it. For having me. I'm excited about print and excited about what you guys are doing with it. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what this next on the shelf issue ends up ends up being uh, with the new cover style and things like that. So yeah, really, really exciting times. Mm-hmm. Well, when you come across it, make sure you take pictures of it so you can see what it, you know, share what it's looking like on that shelf. Yeah, definitely. I'll send one your way as well so you can get the Please. overall feel. Oh, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, we'll do a little unboxing of it. We'll chat Perfect. about it. Sounds great. <laughs> All right, that is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as usual, if you are enjoying what you are hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, go check us out on YouTube, Print Design Academy on YouTube. And also go check us out on Instagram where you can actually see photos of the projects that we talked about during this episode. A bunch of different places to start learning more about print with us. And I can't wait to see you over there. Also, if you're really liking it, Leave a rating and a review for this podcast wherever you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever that is. 
I appreciate it. Helps more people find it and more people learning about print, more people doing print. See you next week.